We are continuing our series in Jeremiah. We're still in chapter 1, but as you know, we have kind of jumped through time and different places and looked at different things in Jeremiah the last couple of weeks. And this week, we're primarily going to stay right here in these few verses. This is an extremely important part of, of God's plan here in Jeremiah as it prevails. And this time, it, this, the sermon title is that God accepts no excuses. God accepts no excuses. And let me clarify what I'm talking about here. When he calls us to something, when he commands us to do something, if there is a command from God, in order for us to obey, we are required to do this thing that he commands, then he will give us the ability to fulfill what he has commanded us to do. Therefore, God accepts no excuses. And if there is a subtitle to this sermon, it's God accepts no excuses because he knows us better than anyone. So God would not call us to do something that we are incapable of doing. However, I will go ahead and say that the reason that we're capable of doing it is because of him, not necessarily because of us. But with that said, let's go ahead and if you will, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 4 through 8. In verses 4 through 6, this is what God's word says. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Now, let me, we're going to go back and look at that a little more in detail. And then we'll also look at verses 7 and 8. But I want to share with you a story. I've shared this with uh, you, some of you at least, in the past. And I uh, want to share it again, and it's the story of when God called me to ministry, uh, specifically when God called me to accept my first job in the ministry as an intern. And so, uh, rewinding 20 or so years, I was, uh, it was the summer after my freshman year, and I was um, asked to uh, become an intern at the church where I was saved, at the church where I was a member. And my thinking was, I, I can't do this, right? That, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. But, uh, but then also there was an excitement. Plus, I mean, it's only an internship, right? I mean, you got someone telling you what to do. So it was, it, there wasn't that much pressure. So I did that. I did it for a year. I really enjoyed it. And the next summer, the youth minister, my mentor, he told me that uh, he was moving. He was going to be going to another church. He's still at that church today. He's been there for about 20 years, and uh, I think 19 years this summer. And so he, he says that, that he's talked to the youth team, the pastor, and they wanted me to, um, to lead when he left. And so this is different than an internship. This is where you are the, leading this group. And uh, so immediately my first thought was no. I can't do this. I'm too young, which I was. Um, and so, I, but I told him I'd pray about it. And so I go home that night, and earlier in the year, I had started reading through the Bible. And I was, my plan was to read through it and, and, uh, within a year's time. And so I just happened to be in Jeremiah that night. And I read this, 
And he says, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. And I was like, yes, that's exactly where I'm at. I, I understand what Jeremiah is going through. Um, however, if you, but we haven't read verses 7 and 8 yet, but you saw the title of the sermon, right? God accepts no excuses. And so, going back, let's look at verse 4. I will finish this story a little later. Verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, okay, when God commands us to do something, then we're required to do it. And when the word of the Lord comes and says whatever it says, we listen. We do what the word of the Lord says. So let's see what he says. And we looked at this last week in a little bit different light, but I wanted to reread verses 4 and 5 as we lead into verse 6 so that we can see some things here. Verse 5, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So the first reason that God accepts no excuses is that he created us. God accepts no excuses because he, he knows us better than anyone. He created us. And we see this here in verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Not only did he create us, he consecrated us. That means he set us apart for holy use. That God, here in this case for Jeremiah, he consecrated Jeremiah, and he gave him a specific duty that we will look at. And so not only did he consecrate him, uh, sorry, not only did he create him, not only did he consecrate him, but he called him. And God calls us. Look at what he says. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. This calling was on his life before he was even born. And so last week we looked at how God values life. We looked at how he values it from the beginning. And, and we see this. God values life before it's even created. He knows. He knows who, who will be created. He knows who will exist, who will live. He knows the, the gifts and the talents and the skills and, the, and it, what we might consider things that hold us back or the weaknesses that we might have. He knows all of that before we're even born. And so we grow into it. We, we get older and we d discover some of these insecurities that we might have or some of these gifts that we might have, wh whether it's difficult things or, or good things. We discover these things about ourselves, and, and the interesting thing about God is, is that he already knew those things before we discovered them, right? Before we were a twinkle in our parents' eyes, he already knew about us. And so when, we, when God comes to us and God has something for us, then we cannot offer him excuses because God knows everything about us. He knows who he is asking to do something. When I was young and the church asked me to lead the youth and I felt incapable of doing so, unqualified, just not knowledgeable enough, whatever the, the scenario was, it doesn't matter how I feel. If God calls us to do something, we have to do it. And so, 
let's think about our own lives. Because it's easy for us to read this and just think about Jeremiah. And I do want us to think about Jeremiah because this specifically plays a part in this book that we are studying. And we will look at Jeremiah. But I think it's also helpful when we're reading Scripture to sometimes put ourselves in the place of the person that it's talking about. And so remove Jeremiah from this scenario and put yourself there. Because God has called every single one of us in this room to do something. He's called us to follow him. He's called us to obey him. Obedience might look different for each one of us in this room. He might call us to different levels of leadership, different positions within the church or in the community, in our families. Some of us might not have a, a spouse or children or something. We, we all are in different places. We all have different people that we're responsible for or to whom we are responsible. And we have to make sure that when we are living our lives, that we're not doing so just going through the motions or just flippantly, that we actually evaluate who are we, who has God created us to be, what has he called us to do, so how do we move forward in being that person and doing those things? And for each one of us, every single one of us in this room, we tend to offer up excuses to God at different times, don't we? And it might be because of our youth, or it might be because of our age in the opposite direction. But God doesn't accept excuses in those situations either. Uh, you think God appreciated Sarah laughing at him when she said, when she's thinking, I'm too old to have a baby? It, that would be Abraham's wife. Uh, was, was her age an excuse when God had, had set something up for her, and this uh, specifically, you know, nothing big, just be, to be the mother uh, of the eventual, uh, the matriarch of the eventual Messiah, you know, just to be the person whose lineage Jesus came from, you know, nothing big. And she laughs because of her age. Some of you in here, you might hear your young pastor spouting off these big ideas and think, oh, well, maybe if I was 20, or 40, or 60, or for 80 for maybe some of you, maybe if I was that age, I could do some of these things. If God has called us to do something, it doesn't matter our age. It doesn't matter our health. It doesn't matter our abilities. If God calls us to do something, he will equip us to do what he has called us to do. That's the bottom line. We have no excuses. God accepts no excuses. He created us. He consecrated us. He called us. He knows us. He knows the tasks to which he has called us to do. You, you, can't, you can't look at God and say, I'm too young. I mean, Jeremiah did it. It, did, it doesn't hold, but he does it, right? Let's go ahead and look at, at verse 6. Then I said, and, and you know, what's interesting is, is that we've heard, we hear sermons preached. So many of you have probably heard a sermon from this passage before. Um, or we read it. Many of you have probably read this passage before. Maybe for some of you, this is the first time you're hearing or reading this passage. But we, we see a passage in Scripture, and we read it with a tone in our head, right? How many of you have ever read a book and then saw the movie, and you were like, that's not how I read it, right? It would be different, right? And, um, and so I, I'm not sure the tone 
that Jeremiah used? Was he like using a tone of excuses? Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth, so find somebody else. Was it that tone? Something in me doubts that. Was it there more fear, more reverence in his voice? Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Now, however he said it, it doesn't matter because God's not accepting the excuse. No matter how you frame it, it's not a valid excuse. God doesn't care how old he is. God told him to do something. He has a responsibility to do it. And if we're honest with ourselves, how many things in our lives do we make excuses for when it comes to what God has called us to do? God has called us, go and make disciples of all nations. Yeah, but all nations, I mean, God, we're just a small church in Mansfield, Arkansas. What can we do? I'm just one person, you know, that makes this amount of money, that has this IQ, that does this, or is, we list our qualifications. And God doesn't care about our qualifications because if he has called us to do it, then he is going to equip us to do it. And God has called every single one of us in this room to obey him in certain things. And let's just look at the two commands in the New Testament that God kind of boils things into, down to. So one of the, the, the great commandment would be love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, depending on which gospel you read that from. And second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? Now, if God has called us to love him and God has called us to love others, can we do that? Yes, we can. There might be times when we fail at it, but we can do it. Through the power of his strength, through the power of the Holy Spirit, when we choose to follow Jesus, he has promised us in Scripture, he promised that when he left, that he would send a helper. And then Acts 2, we, we, well, Acts 1, but Acts 2, we see not only the Holy Spirit coming, but we see the fruit that is produced when the Holy Spirit comes. And so that same Holy Spirit that dwelt in the early followers of Jesus lives in us. And so when God calls us to do something, he has given us everything we need to be able to do it. So he's not going to accept our excuses. Look at verse 7. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Did God say, Oh, that's right. I forgot how old you were. So you're exempt from this call that I've put on your life. No, I know I'm being a little facetious here. I don't want to come across as, you know, being disrespectful of God's word or of Jeremiah because what God is calling him to do is something serious. But I do want to emphasize that God does not accept excuses. It doesn't matter how old Jeremiah is. It doesn't matter how comfortable he is in doing what God has called him to do. It doesn't matter how skillful he is or what he thinks he can or cannot do. God, in fact, tells him to stop making the excuse. Do not say, I am only a youth. 
For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. So when God commands us to do something, what does he expect us to do? To do it. So let's go back. So this is, so not only does he create us, consecrate us, call us, but he commissions us. He gives each one of us a specific responsibility of how to follow him, how to obey him. Some of these things are general, like love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. But that's a pretty subjective statement. So objectively, how do we do it? What does it look like in our life when we're living these things out? And for each one of us, it might look differently. You might come across a neighbor who is, is stuck in the mud, right? And you have a four-wheel drive. Well, what's a good way to love your neighbor? Not to leave him there, to pull him out, right? And you, you, look, you might have financial resources, And let me clarify when I say you might have financial resources. Most of us in this room have financial resources, okay? We might not have the financial resources we would hope to have or would like to have, but we have financial resources. Most of us in this room, maybe not all of us, but most of us do not have to worry about where our next meal comes from. And therefore, we have financial resources. We have the ability to help out others when they are in need. And I would say that there have been seasons of my life where I didn't know where my next meal came from, literally, and that did not excuse me not to help people in need. I still have had a responsibility to help others. Um, but there have also been times in my life when, uh, I, when Rose and I drove one vehicle and did not have smartphones and things of that nature, and there were people who got in financial trouble who had all of those things and more, and we were kind of stuck helping people who had way more than we did just because we were a little more uh, smart in the way we were doing things. And so we have to be careful when, we, when we're evaluating what we have or don't have. First of all, ultimately, it doesn't matter. If God has called us to do something, we do it, no matter what we think we have or don't have, no matter what we think we have going for us, or what we think we have going against us, if God calls us to do something, we obey him. But secondly, I would say that a lot of times, we might have more going for us than what we think. God has already blessed us in ways that enables us to obey what he is commanding us. There are definitely times in our life where God calls us to do something, and we have no idea how we are going to accomplish what God is calling us to do. There are times like that in the Bible, and if we are faithfully following him, then there will be times like that in our lives when we don't know where the answer is coming from, we don't know where the help is coming from, but we know it's coming. And so we have to make sure in those times that we are looking to him and seeking him and that we are following him and we are doing what he's called us to do. But I also want to say that there are times in our life where there are plenty of things, I would believe, and I would say from Scripture, that he has called us to do, and we already have the resources to obey him, and we simply are not doing it. Does that make sense? If God has called us to do something, then he expects us to do it. He does not accept excuses. He created us. 
He consecrated us. He called us. He commissions us. And he commands us to specific obedience. Yes, for example, the Great Commission. I talked about the Great Commandment, which is love the Lord your God and others also. The Great Commission is go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And remember that he is with us always. He's not asking us to do something that he's not enabling us to do, that he's not walking right alongside of us, helping us to do, that he's not carrying us through. And, and ultimately, we are, according to the New Testament, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is in us, empowering us to do what he has called us to do. And so here's Jeremiah. Now, this is before Jesus, before the Holy Spirit. Um, but God's power came on the prophets in very specific ways. The Holy Spirit would fill them and enable them to do the tasks that God had called them to do in different times. And Jeremiah makes this excuse that he cannot do it. And God says, don't say that to me. But here's the thing about the command that he gave Jeremiah. You see, Jeremiah, as we are about to dive into, Jeremiah had a very specific commission, a very specific command that he was going to have to go to the people of Israel and to other nations and that he was going to have to speak the word that God put in him and they were going to ignore it. Well, it goes beyond ignoring. They were going to despise him for what he said. Some of them were going to uh, persecute him for what he said. They wouldn't listen, and it would cause the ultimate, ultimately cause the destruction of Jerusalem, of Judah, and other nations. And before we say, now wait a minute, why would God destroy those nations? What did they do? Well, we've already looked at that in, a, in previous sermons. One of the things that they were doing is that they were offering child sacrifices to false gods. And so this is something that is serious, where God is calling them to repent, turn back to him, follow him, do things his way, which is best and what's best for the nations, and not the way that they're currently doing them, which is not just uh, not good, but it's horrific. And so look at, look at verse 8 with me. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. I can't do this. I'm too young. And apparently, Jeremiah, he he might not say it here, but he's thinking about how can I say this to these people who aren't living for you, or whatever the case might be, because God's response in verse 8, do not be afraid of them. Now, God wouldn't say that if Jeremiah wasn't already afraid of them, or that time was coming for him to be afraid. And God commands, do not 
be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So he creates us, he consecrates us, he calls us, he commissions us, he commands us, and he covers us. He's with us. If he has called us to do something, then he is covering us in doing that. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. We are about to get into all sorts of crazy with Jeremiah. The stuff that he has to go through, I do not wish on any of us. But God commanded him. And while he's carrying it out, he's not doing it on his own, in his own power. He's not speaking his own words. He is doing what God has called him to do, and God is covering him in the process. God had him, and God has you. And if God calls us to something, we can obey because he has it. He, it's it's in, under his control. He's covering it. He covers us. And so what we're going to do is reread these verses and then close with an illustration, finishing my story from earlier, and then where we go from here. So starting over in verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Now, I'm going to start over at the beginning of this verse, verse 5. And I want you, now the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, but this is true for all of us. It's not just true for Jeremiah, it's true for all of us. So I want you to think about you as we're reading this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, you might not be called to be a prophet, but you are called to be someone for him. You are called to be something for him. Then I said, oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Now, for those of us who are following Jesus, for those of us who are striving to obey him, we have no idea what the future holds. If we were to look back on our life, to go back in time and look forward We wouldn't know what was coming. There's no way to know. We're not God. God knew Jeremiah before he was created, right? But we don't know things before they happen. There's no way for us to know those things. So we simply have to trust the one who does them. We have to put our faith in God and trust that he knows what he's doing. And when he calls us to something and it doesn't make sense, we have to trust that he is going to be able to fulfill what he has called us to do. And for Jeremiah, that was to speak truth, to speak the words of the Lord. And for us, it might be similar. Now, I want to say that Jeremiah's success wasn't dependent on how the people responded to what he said. Jeremiah's success was doing what God told him to do. We cannot, 
oftentimes, we cannot control the success of what we're trying to accomplish. But we can obey God. We can do what He has called us to do. And then the success is in His hands. And in Jeremiah's case, you, from a world's view, you can look at what was accomplished by Jeremiah's prophetic, uh, his role as a prophet, and say he failed. Because he warned the people, they wouldn't listen. Um, he warned the nations outside of Israel, they wouldn't listen. Judah's destroyed. Babylon comes in and, and takes over and takes many of them as exiles, just destroys Jerusalem and, and Judah takes many of them as exiles. You can look at this and say, he failed. But he didn't fail because he did what God told him to do. The rest of the people who heard the message, most of them, they failed because they did not do what God told them to do. God told them to repent. They did not repent. And I know we're giving away the end, but that's just part of Jeremiah, right? Is that you just know over it's part of the it's part of the whole Bible. Over and over again, people are told what they're supposed to do, and there are very few people who actually move forward in doing it. Jeremiah being one of them, and a majority of the people are not doing what God has called them to do. And so, where are you this morning? Are you doing what God has called you to do? I I go back to when I was asked to be the youth minister at Lake Village Baptist Church. And I go home that night, and I read this passage. And I know I don't have any excuses. God's taken them away. God has put it on my heart what I need to do, but I'm scared. I'm inexperienced. I don't know what to do. And so I have a responsibility to obey him regardless of my feelings. And uh, in the words of Clegg Avett, I have never regretted God calling me to preach. I leave that for those who have to hear me every Sunday. So what is God calling you to do? What are you responsible for doing? I can't answer that for you. If you want to have a discussion, we can do that. We can schedule a time to sit down and talk about what's going on in your life and what's your next step of obedience. But what is God calling you to do? Are you married? God has called you husbands to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. God has called you wives to submit to your husbands as the church is to the Lord. Do you have children? God has given us a responsibility to teach them what God has taught us. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're to write these words on our heart. We're to put them on our doorpost. We're to teach them to our children. Do you have parents? We're to honor our parents. Do you have a job? Are you the boss? We have a responsibility to love our employees and to treat them fairly. And to pay them accordingly. Are you, an, are you one of those employees I was just talking about? 
we have a responsibility to honor those that God has put in command of us or in uh, places of authority over us, a boss being one of those. We have a responsibility to love the people around us. Are you still in school? We have a responsibility to love our classmates, to honor our teachers, to love our teachers, to share the gospel with those around us. We have a responsibility not to neglect the meeting together of the saints, right? As some are in the habit of doing, according to Scripture, we're supposed to be a part of the church, not just attend church, not just come to this building when the doors are open, but we're supposed to be the church. God has given us all spiritual gifts according to his word, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. He has given all of us spiritual gifts that we have specific parts to play in the body of Christ, in the church. We are to use our gifts not for our fame or not for popularity or comfort or a pat on the back, but we're to use our gifts for the glory of God, for the good of the church. So how are you using your gifts? If you're a member of our church, this church here, how are you using your gifts in our church for his glory? If you're a member of another church, how are you using those gifts in your, your home church? We have to consider these things. And, and you might say, but I have to work 60 hours a week. Or I, I d- can't do this because my days of, of leading are way past me, okay? Well, if that is true, then you don't have to lead, but we still have to obey. We still have to do the things that God has called us to do. You might say, I'm too young. I, I, can't, I can't do this because I'm too young. Do not say to me that I'm only a youth. That's what God tells Jeremiah, right? We are to do whatever God has called us to do, and you can expect other people to do it for us. You can expect other people to do it for you. But one day we will stand before God. And we will have to answer. We will, if, if we don't know him, we will have to answer for the wrongs that we have done. We will be judged for what we have done. If we do know him, then there's another judgment also of reward. And are we going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of our master? Are we going to receive the rewards for our works here on earth so that we can glorify God with them for eternity. When we stand before him, what's the verdict? And if we keep saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I don't think it's going to be as pleasant as it could be for us. God accepts no excuses. Because he knows us better than anyone. He created us. He consecrated us. He called us. He commissions us. He commands us. And he covers us. Are we going to obey him? Are we going to live for him? And if if this sermon doesn't make you a little nervous, a, a little uneasy inside, then either... You are completely living for his glory and you're just excited about what's being preached or you're ignoring the elephant in the room which is that God calls each one of us to obedience and relationship with him. 
And there are consequences. There are rewards for how we respond in that. Now, we're not saved by our works and how we respond. We're only saved by grace. It's a gift that he gives us. We are, but we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, according to Ephesians 2.10. So while we're saved by grace, we're saved for works. So what are the works in your life that prove that you love God and you are living for him? Let's not make excuses. Let's not offer up reasons of why we can or cannot do things. Let's just trust him, follow him, obey him, and see how he uses us. And it might not just be a one-time job. When I said yes to being an intern, when I said yes to being a youth minister, that could have stopped if I would have said no to the next thing God called me to. I have to continue to say yes until my last breath, whatever God calls me to, yes. My yes is on the table. It has to be that way. Where is your yes? Let's pray.